welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We are bringing on Blake Jeffreyon and Sam Jeffries. Sam wrote a book about Blake's life. It's called Legacy on Ice. And what an unbelievable story Blake Jeffreyon has had. His journey in the hockey world and uh, comes from hockey royalty. His great-grandfather, NHL Hall of Famer, Howie Morenz. His grandfather, Boom Boom Jeffreyon, played for the Montreal Canadiens as well. Uh, Blake's dad was a first-round pick in the NHL, and, and obviously Blake, uh, he grew up in the Nashville area, went to Culver Academy, then he went on to play at the national program, then he went on to play for four years at the University of Wisconsin, which culminated in a Hobie Baker Award. Then he went on to go play professional hockey, played for the Nashville Predators, also played for his hometown Montreal Canadiens before a really, really serious injury uh, cut his career unfortunately short. And uh, just an unbelievable guy. Vex will be able to talk. Like We've talked to so many people who've said this guy's the best. This guy's the best, and you guys will get that sense here on this podcast episode here today. Uh, but before we do get to Blake and to Sam, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, the one Jeffrey J. Hulavecchio. Vex, what's going on today? Man, this was an unreal podcast, so I'm excited to get to this one because uh, uh, Jeff, as you'll hear uh, later <laughs> in the podcast, Jeff, <laughs> he can tell a story, man. He is, I've heard nothing but good things about, about him. Um, we have, we obviously have a really good mutual friend, Mike Davies. And um, for years, I've heard nothing but good things about, about Blake and really cool to have him on. You guys are going to love this episode. Unbelievable personality. I'm not as big of a book reader as uh, my co-pilot here, Topher Scott is. I know I should be. It is embarrassing, but Tove said the book is amazing too. So I might have to actually pick it up and read the old thing. Yeah. So I legit read this in one sitting and uh, it's awesome, man. It makes you, it makes you think, it makes you feel, makes you laugh. Like it, it is really, really good and tells a lot of stories about his career. A lot of stories of adversity, a lot of stories of triumph, um, uh, some history to the NHL type stuff with, with the family legacy in, in the game. And yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. I recommend going out for anybody and getting it. Um, and then, then just being able to talk to Blake here today and, and even tell some more stories and get some more background on some of the things that were in the book. Like there's some legit, incredible stories that we talked about on this podcast, yeah. like stuff that you're going to be like, wow. I mean, no. <laughs> was it the podcast or the 10 questions that he's like i've only told one other person this that was on ever. the that was actually on the 10 questions uh so that's only on the facebook community am i right that's true that's true oh, yeah. baby. <laughs> so for for everybody so i guess we can get into that too like i can't believe this facebook community and this hockey think tank community that we've created and it just opened up this week and like before we even started, we had over 115 people who joined the community before it even turned on. And it was awesome. And now that we've been doing it for a little bit of time, like 
it's so much fun. Just the engagement of everybody in the community and people helping people and getting perspective and giving perspective and sharing experiences, uh, whether you're a coach or whether you're a parent. And there's actually some parents on there that have it that are sharing all their things that are going on with their kids too, that are players. And it's been really, really, really cool. And so one of the things that all of our community members get is for each of our podcast episodes, whoever we interview, we do a 10 questions with them at the end. And that only airs in the community. And like, honestly, like this one that we just did is probably worth the price of admission uh, because he tells some amazing stories and has some awesome insight. Like just for example, like, you know, a couple of the questions like define mental toughness and, and in his career you guys will hear his career like mental toughness is something that was very instrumental you know to who he was like what's the life lesson that you learned in hockey that you're taking with you in your life outside of? he's a very very successful person in the business world right now um and and things like that and so you know what's one piece of advice you would give to a youth hockey player one piece of advice you would give to a youth hockey parent so like these are things that are only on the community. Um, so again, we just, we encourage everybody like this has been awesome. It's been so much fun getting to meet uh, all the people that have joined and uh, Vex, I don't know what you think, but it's been way beyond what my expectations were for it. I can't even put it into words. Yeah. I mean, I think it's awesome, but I expected it. Uh, just did. I think that I know I, it's, I've seen it in person for five years, how strong, our, our listenership is and everywhere when I was coaching every city that I went to, somebody would stop me and talk to me about the think tank and, 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 you know, say that they've listened to all the episodes and this was their favorite episode. And I'd ask them like, what do you want us to bring on? Who do you want us to bring on? What do you want us to talk about? And I just knew that obviously like, like we got something here and we're helping a lot of people. So honestly I did expect this and I know that it's going to get bigger because I know that it's going to help more and more people the longer that we do this community as well as a podcast. And I also think that it's going to transcend hockey and spill into other sports because I've talked to so many parents um, who listen to our podcast that have athletes in different sports and they just replace the word hockey with soccer or baseball or softball or volleyball. Um, and I think that it, it, it can help a lot of people. So I, I'm so excited about it, but I also expected it. <laughs> I like your positivity. Yeah, I like baby. Your positivity. That was a big theme in this podcast episode with Blake and with Sam. And uh, man, just like it's one of those episodes where you come out of it just like feeling like a better human. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Especially at the end of the 10 questions, man. He he was pulling at my heartstrings there. Oh man, it was insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. But again, like I said it before, but like obviously Vex and I, we we do our quote unquote research of, of people that we're bringing on. And by research, I mean, we'll reach out to people that were teammates of theirs or have crossed paths with them at some point. And everybody that I talked to and Vex, I know you said this too, like was like, dude, he was the best. This guy's the best. He just gets it. He's like the best. And also he's an unbelievable storyteller, which was really awesome too. So uh, this was a really, really good one. And and again, like we want to have impact, man. Like with these podcasts, like the biggest thing that we want for our listeners is to have an impact on you and and help you to, to learn something that can help in, in your own life, help you to uh, feel the feels at times, you know, be a little bit inspired. Again, education, inspiration, like that's what we're all about here. And, and this one had that with spades. So uh, let's get over to Blake. Before we do get over to Blake, we do have some people to thank here. Uh, first, want to thank Gelsticks, our title sponsor. Go to gelstx.com. 
And if you use the coupon code think tank, one word, you will get a discount on some awesome weighted training sticks. Jeffrey. I want to thank train heroic train heroic is the unbelievable app that allows me to train so many athletes around the world. Um, so many teams, so many organizations, uh, my 2024 off season will be coming out in a few months here. If your team wants to work with me throughout the off season, getting them quality training where they can all do it on their own at their own time or meet up and do it together, but everything will be tracked individually on their own phone, on their own app, reach out to me because I give heavy discounts when an entire team or entire organization signs up for the off season. Um, so thank you to train heroic. Also want to thank cured nutrition, cured nutrition is a CBD company. I'm with. Um, I use it every single day, twice a day. I talk about it on every single episode. Um, they just have quality products. And, you know, uh, Blake talked about in the 10 questions a little bit there about painkillers. And, you know, I'm as much as I can try to stick with things that are natural from the earth, uh, uh, plant medicine, things like that versus, um, pharmacology as much as possible and so that's where something like cbd with cured nutrition comes in so if anybody has any questions about cbd how to use it why to use it what can it help with please just reach out to me dm me on instagram at jeff Levecchio, or go to curednutrition.com and use my discount code gmbm boom there you go and thank you to helios hockey an unbelievable product and service for any hockey player out there and what it is it's a sensor that goes into your shoulder pad that gives you Instant data, instant data, instant feedback on your play solely or not solely, but most importantly, your stride and your stride mechanics gives you real time feedback on that. Uh, You also get a hustle score, which for kids like that's one thing in the feedback that we've been getting from our listeners that have bought Helios. They love the hustle score. They absolutely love the hustle score. It's something that's really, really cool, Um, but also game changer you're getting your shifts cut up for you instantly after the game. So whether you are filming through a phone, an iPad, or whether you're getting your video through Live Barn, instantly right after the game, uh, you get your shifts cut up. Complete, complete time saver. And uh, I know for me, if I was younger and I had this, I would have loved to watch my shifts like that. would have been awesome instead of pressing that rewind fast forward button all, all the time back in the day where kids are like, VHS? What's VHS? I don't even know what VHS is. Hey, and you know what's really cool is this week I've had two people text me saying that they've been listening to our podcast more and they both um, bought Helios and are loving yeah. it. So yeah, pretty cool awesome. to hear that. Awesome, for sure. And so uh, go to helioshockey.com and use the coupon code THINKTANK there and you'll get an awesome discount. So all new Helios members will get 20% off their initial 12-month membership and that sensor that you have that you put in the shoulder pad, they go and give that to you for free. So um, just awesome, awesome product. Uh, Go to helioshockey.com, use that coupon code THINKTANK and thank you to Ice Hockey Systems, the best website out there for your coaching education and parent education. And I was actually uh, doing a call today. So all of the coaches that I do my organizational blueprint with, we do a weekly call. Uh, Today we did it on transition hockey and I got to draw up four or five drills that I do uh, on transition. And I use ice hockey systems to do that. And it's just so easy to use. Um, It's just an awesome product, especially for people who aren't tech 
savvy like yourself and myself. Uh, it's and a lot of youth hockey coaches out there, I'm sure. Um, it's just unreal, man. So uh, go to icehockeysystems.com. We have partnered with them to do an association platform where you can get this for all the coaches and all the parents in your organization because they have access to the Hockey Think Tank Parent Survival Guide. Uh, so go to icehockeysystems.com, look up that association's platform and get that today. And thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our listeners. We absolutely love you guys. We continue to hope to have all this impact on a positive way. This is going to be an episode that, honestly, you're probably going to want to listen to a couple of times. Uh, inspiring great stories, life lessons. You're going to laugh. Uh, this was a really, really cool one. And we appreciate everything that you guys do for us. Every like, every comment, every download, every rating, every follow, every time you share us with your, uh, your, your parent groups, your coaches groups, your organization or on social media, whatever it may be. We just really, really appreciate that. So, uh, now without further ado, here we go with Sam Jeffries and Blake Jeffrey on. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered. New customers can bet on the big game and turn 5 bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. Available lines and odds from the DraftKings Sportsbook app will be available for Super Bowl 58. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code THPN. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 58 with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. We are so excited to have on this episode of the podcast, we got one in Chicago and one in Seattle. We got Blake Jeffreyon and Sam Jeffries. What's going on, fellas? How are we doing tonight? How's it going, boys? Good to be here. No, we're pumped, man. We're pumped to have you guys. And and uh, the book is Legacy on Ice that Sam wrote uh, about Blake's career and 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 his family heritage and history. And I uh, got the chance to read it. Very like I I I put it down in one setting. Like literally sat down. I had a flight to Phoenix, and the flight got delayed for five hours. <laughs> so I had like eight hours actually, and I I, I had the whole thing. So uh, it was an awesome, awesome book. And and Blake, your story and your family story uh, is incredible. But I want to start with you, Sam, because you wrote the book. And like, what what was it that enthralled you about Blake and his family story? That that you were like, hey, like this is something that I, I wanted to write a book on. This, you know, is it something you guys knew each other? Like, what was the impetus of of writing this book, and how did it get started? Yeah. I mean, for me, I was at Madison the same time as Blake. We didn't know each other, but uh, was followed the hockey program very closely. And I had a couple of uncles play for uh, Badger Bob Johnson back in the day. And so family connection to that program. And then, you know, saw him win the Hobie. And for me, it was so remarkable that he was the first Hobie winner in the program's history, right? You had Brian Elliott, you had Chris Chelios and Joe Pavelski and Danny Heatley. And this, I mean, unbelievable program six national championships and, and um, uh, you know, he was the only one to, uh, to be, you know, uh, best player in college hockey. And so that always fascinated me. And I knew about his family history with Montreal, but I think uh, following his pro career, watching him go home to Nashville and then go 
ancestral home to Montreal um, and then have it have it all taken away. Uh, I, I thought I thought it was a true American story. I mean, really true, you know, kind of uh, uh, triumph to tragedy. And then and uh, I didn't know the half of it and then starting to look into it. And um, I mean, I knocked Blake's door for for a little while and, and he very generously started to answer my calls. But uh, having conversations <laughs> and figuring out, you know, the the kind of Forrest Gump nature of hockey that he had played and being at the NTDP and being at uh, at Culver and at Wisconsin and at Nashville and, and going to each of those pieces and, and figuring out, you know, this, this guy is, is the Tetris piece for so much of, of North American hockey that it, it, for me, it was a story that deserved to be told. For sure. And it, it was a great story and, and so many lessons to, to come out of the story, Blake. And, and, you know, when we bring people on particularly that have played at the levels that you had, one of the things we always like to, to ask people is how you fell in love with the game. And, and obviously you got a, a huge family history with, within the game, but you know, if you can uh, just talk to our listeners a little bit about what made you fall in love with this great sport and, and what kicked started you into, into really being uh, a huge part of it. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, look, first of all, guys, thanks for having us on. Really appreciate it. And, you know, it's always good to, you know, to talk to guys that, that love the game as much as you do. And I think you guys do a great job. So that's first and foremost. But to answer your question, I mean, look, I, I can just remember since I was a little kid, you know, my dad, like when I was two years old, I was taking, you know, skating lessons from a figure skater, pushing a chair around. Uh, and then, you know, by the time I was three, I was playing full on hockey. And my dad, you know, we rented our gear. We we're living in Nashville, Tennessee. And, you know, my dad was like trying to really discourage us from playing hockey and put bulky gear on us and like, ah, you guys really want to do this and whatnot. And like, I remember like that, that hockey smell. I remember like the, the crisp like air, like in the mornings at 6 a.m. when you hit the ice. I remember like, you know, just skating around and like bumping into like guys and just like at a really young age, I, mean, I remember those, those thoughts and feelings. And I think we all know what we're talking, I'm talking about when you talk about the smells of hockey. Oh yeah. And I just it's remember like, pony. yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> and I just like remember like, the, yeah, I just remember like all those little things and just loving it. And then as I got older and older, just the camaraderie, you know, in the room with the guys and, and competing and, you know, uh, look, there's no better feeling in this world than scoring a goal. I don't care what level it is, you know, whether you're a termite or you're in the NHL, uh, it's still the greatest feeling of, of all time. And so I think, you know, you put all that together and just my personality of who I am and I'm a competitor like through and through and I hate to lose. Uh, you wrap all that together and, and I think hockey is a great sport to, to encapsulate all that. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, you know, on your journey, one of the really cool things that I noticed um, as almost like a pattern in the book, and and like we have a lot of youth hockey players that listen to this podcast on the way to practice, on the way to the rink. And, And I think part of your story that was so compelling is that every stop that you went, it wasn't easy right away. There was, there was some adversity along the way. Like, you know, you, you live in Nashville and then you go to Culver prep school first time away from home and then boom, you hit some adversity. It's really tough, but you fight through it. Then you go to the national program, you know, boom, it's tough and you got to fight through it. Then you get to Wisconsin, boom. It's like all these different stops along the way 
like it wasn't you stepping in and you're a first liner and everything is, you know, hunky dory. Like there was, there was some trials and tribulations and probably a lot of hard moments throughout those times. So like, as you guys know, but I think it's really important for all the kids that are listening to hear, like if you have a dream and a goal, that's really lofty, like it's going to take a lot of resiliency and there's going to be tough times and adversity. And so like, if you can just talk a little bit about how important that was to your growth, not only as a player, but as a person, you know, having to endure some of those tough times and, and, and really kind of like persevering through it and, and how much stronger you came out on the other side. Totally, man. I mean, if you look at my story and, and really anyone's career, the ups and downs, like, I mean, I think that that's why we all love these behind the scenes documentaries of Conor McGregor and, and all these superstar Tiger Woods and all these superstar athletes, even the one percenters, the one percent of the one percenters face these, these trials and tribulations as you alluded to, like, and I would say throughout my career, I had the exact same, um, you know, uh, you made a great point, like my whole kind of you know, career growing up in Nashville, I was the most dominant player through and through, like no one could really touch me. I mean, I was a big kid, uh, like physically. And then I was pretty talented, you know, pretty talented dude, go to Culver, struggle mightily. I'm 14 years old, turning 15, being away from home. My mom cooks every meal, does all my laundry for me to, to military school. I got a, a tunnel rat from Vietnam, like yelling at me every morning at 6 a.m. Like that's a little bit of wake up call. <laughs> I was the first freshman to ever make, ever make varsity in 40 something years. So I was 14 turning 15 and the youngest guy on my team was 17 years old. We had postgrads. Like that's a huge, like that right there alone, just from the words that I learned, <laughs> like the, like it's a, you know, you know, look, I was never the most strongest, wasn't the strongest student of all time. The, the ratio of student to uh, students to teachers were, you know, two to one. So like looking over to my left and over to my right, wasn't going to happen in school. Uh, it was a college preparatory school, like where the academics were like above everything else. So it was a tough very, very tough challenge. You know, I, to your point, I go to the national development program. Like I was the first guy to commit the 88 birth year uh, because of my last name and getting put on the, the national level from a media perspective. Oh, the next Sidney Crosby. It's like, okay, going with a big head. And, you know, I go from first line down to the, 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 you know, the, the fourth line to out of the lineup. And my, my greatest statistic of all time was I was literally the last team, last guy in the team in scoring behind both goalies, they each had three assists. I had one goal, one assist. So like, that's it. Try to do that. It's very difficult. Let me tell you. <laughs> right. And then, you know, then, you know, look, go to, go to win the gold medal, get drafted, go to Wisconsin, struggle mightily, you know, go win the gold medal at U18s. I'm on top of the world, get drafted in the second round, first picks. So I got first round treatment from my hometown team, the National Predators. I go home, I see all my old buddies and friends and, you know, whatnot. And then go to, Go to Wisconsin and two goals, four, six, 36 games freshman year. I mean, terrible all the way to my senior year, Hobie Baker to, you know, turning pro, scoring two goals in my first three games pro, break my ankle, see you later. Um, to, you know, I go, I mean, look, I, I don't, I'm telling my whole story in about 12 minutes. So, <laughs> um, you know, but then like, you know, ultimately, well, they still want, they still got to have a book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, all the way to the point where, you know, I scored nine, or six goals in nine games, 12 points for the national prayers. We make the playoffs. Barry Trotz calls me in the room and says, Hey, I'm going, I'm, I'm going with the, I'm going with the veterans. Like you've played great, but like you're a rookie. What? To, you know, I, mean, I can go on for days to the NHL to, you know, get traded to my, you know, where it all began for me and my family and everyone else to a creating injury to a year in the, in the dark, literally and figuratively. Um, and then, you know, I bounced back and, you know, I'm crushing, I'm back to crushing life out, out of hockey and, and doing really well. And, you know, two young girls and, 
you know, so life's never been better, honestly, man. So a lot of ups and downs. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the only one. I think everyone goes through this, whether you play hockey or a sport or not. But I think what, what sports teaches you and what, why hockey is so important in my opinion is I'll go back to what I said earlier, which is the camaraderie in the room. It's your second family. It really becomes your first family, frankly. And all the boys help you through, you know, the ups and downs and, you know, um, everyone talks about mental health and all that. Like, think about it. Like all of us played, like you having a bad day, you, you go to the rink and that's where you're happy again. It's where the guys pick you up. It's where you find your pride, love and joy. And I think that's really important to have, uh, to have a second family outside of your, you know, your mom and dad and your brothers and sisters. So, well, I a think, little but you guys get it. I, th- I think yeah. you said something super important there too, is like you had a lot of ups and downs and, and after everything we just heard about your career in a, in a nutshell there, you said, you know, but I'm in such a great place. I'm crushing life. I'm the happiest I've ever been. And like, for me, um, I retired in 17, 18, that was my last season. And like anytime stuff gets hard in my life now, like I always think back to hockey, the hard times, and they always seemed a lot harder in hockey because it was like my everything from like three years old until 32. And you like, you put that self pressure on and like the end of the, we had a bad practice and coach looked at you weird and it's the end of the world. But like you get through all these hard times in hockey, you get through the injuries, you get through the losing seasons, the the seasons where you thought you were going to do well and the goalies outscore you and all that type of stuff. The rest of life has been, I'm sure like way easier for me. Because I just look back and I'm like, I've been through all these hard things from three years old to 32 years old in the game of hockey. And there was the thing I cared most about. And that allows me to this like perspective whenever something in the business world or anything like goes wrong. I'm like, yeah, what would I have done in hockey? How would I have taken this in hockey? And that's really helped me. So I love that you said like how important like sports are. Like I I couldn't believe in that anymore. It's why Tof and I do this podcast. Yeah, no, hundred percent, man. And I think, what for me, and I think you would agree probably is like, look at man, you can like, there's two things that I always tell everyone control what you can control and just put your head down and work hard and everything's going to be totally fine. And like, you might not see what it is, what it is in the near future, but just keep, keep at it, keep working hard, control what you can be a good human, treat people with respect and like, everything's going to be fine. And like, I tell everyone, like, I won the Hobie Baker as a fourth leading scorer in the country or 10th leading scorer in the country. Like, like, you know, I went from two goals my freshman year to 28 my senior year and won the Hobie Baker. Like, if I can do that, like, literally anything in this world can happen. And, like, I can tell you story after story of, like, things that I look back on. I'm like, I cannot believe that actually happened. Like, I never would have fathomed, like, that happening. Like, if someone would have told me, like, you're going to win the Hobie Baker. Like, freshman year, I'd be like, ha, yeah, okay. And, like, yeah. And I have how, do heads go, too. how do you go to what was your progression in college there? Freshman year two, what was sophomore junior? 15, 10, and just goals, but I had more points. I had I had I had uh I had 15 and 10 or 15 and so I had two four two four for six and 36. Uh sophomore year was like I had 15 and 10, I think, or 15 and 20, something like that. And then it like flipped. It was like 10 and 25 or something like that, and then 28 and and 50. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, one of the things you talk about, Blake, that, that I think is such a relevant talk 
topic to talk about, particularly with the kids coming up is, is the controlling what you can control. Oh. And, and man, is that hard, <laughs> especially yeah. for kids coming up the, with all these different things coming their way. You know, youth hockey's become so professionalized at such a young age and, you know, there's so many different options. There's so much information. Like it's, it's hard at times to control what you can control. But, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about particularly that I think could help a lot of these kids that are coming up right now is controlling what you can control when you got a tough coach. And, and, and when I say tough coach, I don't mean bad coach. I mean, demanding coach. And you played for a couple guys and John Hines and and Mike Eves that are known to be pretty freaking demanding. And it's a big part of the reason why they've been, you know, so successful uh, at a lot of different stops. And, and I thought it was just really interesting the, the relationship that you had with both of those, particularly with Mike Eves, though, towards the end of your career when you were at Wisconsin and some of the yeah. stories that are in the book with that. But if you can, like, just start with with, with Coach Hines at, at the national program because being a head coach at the NTDP is hard. You got all these kids who are alpha males who've been the best everywhere they've been, and, and you got to try to corral all these huge – and when I say egos, I don't mean that in a bad way, but you got to no, control no. a lot of these egos and, and help everybody to try and like form a team environment and stuff like that. And he was hard on you guys and they made it really hard and, and they did that for a specific reason. So if you can just talk a little bit about your experience there at the NTDP and, and how it kind of helped you build you know, the skills mentally, physically to, to be able to handle the, the rigors of what was coming you know, after you were done there in, in college and then pro and things like that. Yeah, totally. I mean, look, the, the NTDP was really what propelled me into really becoming a pro hockey player, you know, at a very young age and understanding, you know, um, details of the game. Like, look, we were all individualistic, individually really talented players. Um, you know, we had Patrick Kane, we had Eric Johnson, we had, you know, a lot of the... Uh, Joe you know, Palmer. What's that? Joe, Joe Palmer. Palmer. Yeah, Palm Daddy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, we had, we, we actually, you know, had all these, you know, so you have all these egos and all these kids coming that are very individually, you know, talented. They're all used to being the guy. And, you know, really what it is, is they now teach you like, hey, you're now, you're now, okay, you guys are all the one percenters. Great. Now let's figure out where you guys all actually should play and how you're going to fall into place as you grow, as you go older. Like I'll give you an example, my own personal opinion or my own personal like experience was, I was a goal scorer. Like growing up at Colburn, I was a goal scorer. Like I would put the puck in the net. It's what I wanted to do. That's who I was. I was a talented offensive player. You know, I could toe drag into the blue line and I could also run you through the boards. I could, you know, either or kind of thing. Right. But when I got to that level, everyone could do that. Every single guy and and guys were better at toe dragging than me. Guys were, you know, but I was better at face offs. And so, you know, so like you kind of all fit into your little roles. Like I'll give you an example. I went from first line center down to fourth line. And at Christmas time, John Hines pulls me into the office and is like, yo, leave your gear here. You're not a goal scorer anymore. You're now a defensive forward. I'm flipping your entire world upside down. I'm like, what? I was like, I don't, I put, I score, dude. That's like what I do. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, here's what's going to happen. Lethbridge, Alberta. I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to bring your gear. We're going to play the U17 challenge. There's a guy by the name of Jonathan Taze who plays for Canada. I want you to shut his line down. He plays with Claude Giroux and Ryan White. Uh, He's like, Czech Republic, Yuri Tulusti, and um, somebody else, like, I want you to shut him down. He goes, I want you to block every shot. This is before, like, blocking shots is really a thing. So, like, I look like an absolute buffoon, like, playing goalie at the blue line, you know, like, right? Uh, and he's like, but this is what I want you to do. And, like, I really – he's like, you're great at face-offs. You're gritty. You're hard to play against. He's like, I need you to back check hard. And I'm like, back check? Like, dude, that's why we got defensemen and a goalie. I don't, I don't back check. Like, what are you talking about, Right. 
And he like turned me into this. He's like, I want you to start there from good defense comes good offense. I had no idea what that meant as a kid. I'm like, what? I called my dad. I'm like, dad, what does this mean? He's like, I have no idea. My dad didn't back check ever. Right. He's like a French Canadian, like right wing scorer. Like he's like, why do we back check? You know, we got goalie and D men like for that there, you know? So like, like, so like, like that was like how he molded me as a player, you know? And like, I shut, I shut down Taser. I shut down all those guys. I finished second in the team, second in the, in that tournament scoring that year at a point of game at five points. And like, I finally got it, like play good defense, tur- create turnovers, get back up the ice and, and, and create opportunities. Right. And be gritty and whatnot. And that's what the NTDP does is they teach you all the little tedious intimate details of the game and how to be successful as a hockey player, uh, uh, in, as, as the full meaning, not just look, there's the Patrick Kings who can just, you know, at every level, they're so talented in an offensive basis that like they can play that game. Like, once I got to that level, I wasn't an offensive player score anymore. I had to work for everything and create space and use my stick and go stick on puck and block shots and do all these tedious, intimate details to round me out as a player and where I was going to fall into. And that's really what the NTDP does for you. And they teach you how to work out the right way. They teach you what about nutrition. They teach you why it's important not to eat fruity pebbles for breakfast. They teach you how all those like that was that was what I rocked, by the way. Great. Love fruity pebbles. Um, oh, yeah. And. And like, you know, so they, they teach you all of those things on how to be a true player. And like, if you want to make this, you're going to do this, this over and over and over every single day. And if you don't bring it, I'm going to be in your face and I'm going to demand that you bring it. And if you don't, you're not coming back next year. And like, we're here to win gold medals, not individual medals. And we're going to teach you how to work and we're going to develop a work ethic for you. We're going to teach you how to win and how to become an NHL player. That's, that's what it was about there. And so John Hines held you accountable. If Hines came in and he saw you were dragging ass one day, he was the first one over. He's like, you tired today? I don't care. Let's get at it. And if you weren't, bag skate, hit the line, let's go. I mean, it was like Herb Brooks, like S type thing. I'll never forget the story. I'll probably get in trouble telling this one, but I saw he had Mike Ratchak on, just put a quarter in him, pull his arm. He'll start talking to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, like we came back one night. I'll never forget this. We came back one night from playing the Toledo Ice Diggers. We got absolutely smoked two games in a row, like five nothing, six one, or something like that. We come back and like bus is totally quiet. We pull into the rink, we're unloading the gear. He's like, no, 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 no. Everyone put your workout gear on, get upstairs. And we did a 25 pound weight like circuit for an hour. And like one of them was like holding it out in front of you. He's and he's just like going up to each guy. He's like, You tired? You tired? You play like dog shit tonight. You didn't finish your checks. You should be holding that weight from our 20. Like, and just like one thing after another, you know? And it's like, and I was like, what are we doing this for? I didn't get it. And like, then when I look back, it was like, he was demanding that we would bring it and work. You're not going to have your best every night, but at least you're going to work. And that's what he wanted. You're going to work. If you're not going to work, you're off my team. And he's like, you're not going to have your best every night, but I need to see the effort, you know? And, and that's really what we learned was how, how to bring it every single day, every single night. That's awesome, man. Well, I think the, uh, the, the thing that I take out of there, like that I think I hope anyway will resonate with like the kids listening and, and even the coaches that are listening, like I'm a huge believer in like creating versatile players, like as, as a coach at youth hockey, like you have to demand those things because at the end of the day, I think the biggest injustice you can do as a coach for your best players, particularly at the youngest levels or like, you know, youth hockey 
is not coach them hard and not, and not expect them to, to back check and do all those things that you were talking about, because at some point you are not going to be the best on the team. Totally. At some point mm-hmm. you are not going to be playing on the power play and everybody except for Patrick Kane, <laughs> like he probably had to learn that lesson, whether it was from youth hockey to juniors or from juniors to college or from college to pro, like, at some point you're going to have to know how to play both sides of the puck. And, oh. and, and I think like just teaching people, I kind of call it the B game, like teaching people the B game, like the, maybe the not as sexy, maybe doesn't show up on the scoreboard type stuff. Like that can make you a lot of money at the end of the day too. Like if you're oh, at no. that national, like how many, how many first round draft picks are like third line centers in the NHL right now? No, exactly right. I mean, well, like this is the other thing is like you want to actually build a true team. I mean, look at guys that yeah. get the money they get. Like, I'm like, what? People are like, how does this guy get that? And I'm like, dude, because watch his game. He does all the little things so incredibly well. And that's the piece that they need to round out their team. They don't need another goal scorer. They don't need another, you know, whatever. You know, it's like you you need like I'll give you an example. Like Brandon Hagel for the Tampa Bay Lightning is like, I'm so glad they paid the guy because He's this little water bug that like just plays with the biggest heart and does so many things so well. He's a versatile player and he was like a grinder in the minors and then just found his little stride, found his little niche and then just like worked his way all the way up. And now he's making six sheets a year for the Tampa Bay Lightning or something crazy. You know, that's maybe a little overpaid, but that's anyway, that's a different. <laughs> it's right there. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like the uh, yeah, like, look, like, look, I was a guy that that I was a complete player. And I think honestly, the reason why I got the nod for the Baker over anything else or anyone else was because I could, I could, I had like, I mean, I'd win every draw. Like that was my first battle that got me in the game. Like I'd win the draw, you know, I could score goals. I could lead, I could do power play, penalty kill. I mean, I could do it all. I mean, shoot, I was calling the changes at one point, <laughs> you know, in my senior year, you know, um, you know, I mean, I, was I think one of my one of my favorite stories and watching all the game tape and doing all the research and talking to Hines and Eves and all these guys was uh, this really stood out to me in, in B-side tougher was that one of the series they talk about in Blake's Hobie year was against New Hampshire and Blake Kessel, uh, Phil Kessel's brother, was in town and was their leading scorer. And uh, Blake came away through uh, away from the weekend without a single point. Um uh, but so did Castle, and and that he bird dogged him all weekend, and he shut him down, and won every face off, and you know was was like radically unselfish, and uh, and I think you know that was a defining defining weekend that ended up being a huge part of uh, of Blake this Blake in that award. Plus, I'm sure the Madison people were were pretty happy that a Kessel got shut out. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, uh, no love lost between uh, between the Crease creatures and uh, the Kessel family. That's for yeah. Sure. The story behind that is that you're watching. He goes, "I want that Kessel kid feeling the boards all night." That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. And I was like, "Is that permission to run him?" He's like, "No comment." All right, boys, let's get it. It's just like, all right, you know, full, full range. Here we go. Mom and dad's listen to this. Like you guys, I hope you're taking away these messages that whatever role your son or daughter is playing on the team right now, instead of getting in their ear and being like, you should be on the power play. You're better than Johnny or Tina or whoever the hell it is. Right. Get them to own 
their role right now because also if you listen to Blake here talk he had two goals his first year but he owned his role then he went to 10 and then he went boom boom wins a Hobie Baker you you own your role and then the coach gives you more rope and I know we have so many parents that are listening to this and this is something that you've got to be instilling in them not you deserve more give me give me give me don't give that don't instill that in them get them to understand that like show up do what's asked of you go above and beyond and earn more role earn more rope earn a bigger role on the team right totally and you develop all those skills all the way up it's like you know if you're a cfo of a company you're not going to go right to the cfo you're going to be an accountant then you're going to be an fpna then you're going to be a controller and then eventually you're going to get there but you've owned all those roles and you dominate all those skill sets to now you're the you're the you're the girl or the guy in the role you know, it's like, that's what, that's what sports is. That's what hockey is. And, and, you know, if you're a fourth line grinder or a third line player, it's like, okay, go shut the other team's top line down. Ask the coach, I want to shut this other team's line down or, Hey, finish every check, have a good stick. Like in, once you create those habits, like you now know you can play that game. So the next team you make, or the three years down the road, like you've played that role, you know what it takes. Like, and now you have that flexibility and autonomy, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, I'll never forget, like, one of the funniest things we did at NTDP was all of our wingers that had been wingers their whole lives. Heinz was like, Hey, I want everyone, all the wingers taking face-offs. They're like, I'll take face-offs. I'm a winger. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, but like it's an advantage if you can go in and win a draw because the probability is probably that much lower because you never practice them. You know? So it was like, again, back then it was, you know, God, how long ago was that? A long time ago. And so it's like, but like back then it wasn't like, it was very rare that like wingers would practice taking draws. Right. If you think back, like, watching you know the red wings and the and the avalanche like dude the wingers would walk in like straight legs straight up and down they just lose the draw clean it's like okay well why don't we just give them the puck like why don't we do it right and, and we used to watch clips like that with Heinz. Heinz is like see this right here this is a joke like what are we doing he's like what are these guys doing we want to be winning those draws every winger i want taking draws right awesome. i mean he, got, he went kind of crazy over the top he even had d-man taking draws I'm, like, well, I'm not having eric johnson take a draw <laughs> right so anyways it's it's uh you got to have versatility in your game. Fact of the matter. You want to be a hockey player, not a power play guy, not a grinder, not a, you know, like you, you want to be a complete hockey player. True. True that, man. That's great advice for, for everybody listening. Uh, I, I do have to ask you, cause it was in the book. Um, you guys have maybe some fisticuffs in, in between periods in the locker room that might've been initiated by uh by, by a coach like I was reading that and I was like that is amazing like that is unbelievable so talk about talk about Heinz and 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 uh you know in between periods one time where he wasn't very happy with the toughness of the team yeah I mean look we we uh we got absolutely I think it was during playoffs I think is what it was and uh we were at, like we came out just so flat intimidated like you know like we were in a shell and he's like he walks in he's like all right. All right. That's how you want to play. Don't want to be physical. We're going to do it now. And he points, I think he pointed to Ratter first. Okay. Uh, Mike Ratcha. I'm almost positive it was Ratter first. He's like, Ratter, pick a guy, fight him right here. And he's like, wait, what? He's like, you don't want to go first? Fine. And he's like, Strady, pick a guy. And Strady looks at me and I'm like, oh, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to get him. Let's get, let's get this. And like, we all start like brawling. Like, so he'd be like, all right, that's, that's it. That's it. That's it. We're done. And he picked the next guy. And we'd all like start brawling with skates on, no helmets, no gloves, just, just like wrestling each other and like fighting. 
And and the punchline is we went out that next period. I think we scored like 12 goals. Like really. <laughs> not 12, but like we scored we scored a bowl of goals and like just got the boys all riled up and going. And then I'll never forget that we won that game the next morning. Like Scott Monahan, who like runs in TDP, comes in and he's like, Boys, what happened last night is not okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Heidi comes in with like his tail between his legs like the next morning. And he's like, boys, uh, you know, my bad won't happen again. Uh, he's like, you know, um, you know, we had this rule. Like if you touch the logo in the middle of the room, it was like hundred pushups. Okay. He's like, you know, um, my bad, you know, I know a lot of the guys touched the, touched the logo last night. So I'm going to, I'm going to take that for, for, you know, on for you guys, I'll do hundred pushups. <laughs> so he gets down and rips out like 25. He's like, I'll finish the rest later. I'm like, what? <laughs> Dude, till this day, he still has never finished. I think he was like 62. Okay. And so like we had a reunion. We had a reunion like I don't know, four or five years ago in TDP. And I went right up to him. I was like, hey Heinze, you know, a couple, a couple of a couple of tough guys sodas in. I'm like, hey Heinze, still owe me a couple of push-ups, pal. <laughs> and he's like, I can't do five. My bad shoulder. I go, I don't give a shit. <laughs> so every time I see him, I saw him actually at, at uh when he was coaching for the Predators, I was down in, in the in the locker room area and I, I saw him. He's like, hey, Hey Blake, what's going on, man? How's your family? Well, I'm like, I'm like, great. I'm like, how are those arms and the shoulders doing? He goes, good. Why? I'm like, hit the deck. He's like, oh, sorry, I said, not a chance. I'm getting those push-ups. <laughs> you heard it here, Coach Hines. You got some push-ups to do. Yeah, <laughs> I love exactly. it. But I, um, I, honestly, I can't say enough good things about John Hines and Mikey's. You know, those those guys, and especially Hines, like just helping me develop as a young man off the ice and teaching me about life and and competitiveness and, 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 uh, you know, details of the game. I mean, look, I, I look back on how and why I made the NHL and I'll tell you a hundred percent because of Mike Hughes and John Hines. I mean, they taught me the real true tedious details of the game of hockey and how to really utilize your stick in a, in a, in a, in a really big advantage way of, of teaching me stick on puck and put your stick here instead of there. And, and it's, you know, all those little tedious details that you see a lot of NHL guys, even to this day, make small, stupid mistakes. And, you know, it's funny. Heinz used to always say, and he's so right and watch it because it's, it happens all the time. At, after 35 seconds, your brain absolutely goes because your legs start to go and you get tired and you start losing all these little details. And if you watch all of the, all of the plays nowadays on the power play, watch all of those lanes are like driving semi trucks through on the power play because those guys are, t- they get tired. And because I always say, I'm like, how in the world are these guys just ripping backdoor passes? Like, it's not hard. Put your stick in the lane, you know? But if you watch them, nowadays, all these guys, they shoot the pucks early on. They chase down the pucks, get them back, and then they wait for these guys to get tired, and then the lanes just start opening up. And it's just – it's amazing. And, like, that's what I learned at the NTDP is, like, have quick changes, work hard, and you, your stick is your best friend, and you can do so much with it. It's unreal that you're talking about this because we have a lot of high level guys that come on, whether they're coaches or players and like stick pressure comes up so much. And, and Vex will tell you, and he says it all the time on our podcast. Like he owes Mike Hastings a shitload because Mike Hastings taught him stick pressure and it helped him to become a versatile hockey player that ended up playing 10 years pro as a, as probably more of a defensive guy, maybe until you went to Europe and then all of a sudden you're a stud again, (laughs) but like, man, like that it's, it's awesome to hear you say that. It's just a, it's like a little thing, it's a little thing, but like, man, like it's the biggest thing. Like if you think about it, it's such a huge part of the game 
like literally just have having the ability to angle, having the ability to yeah. keep your stick on the ice, intercept passes, go stick on puck. Like, it, it, like again, we talk about it. These are, these are the little things that make players and, and coaches like, man, like we have to be focusing on these kinds of things all the time. If, if we do want to, isn't it crazy Vex? Like another, another great story about stick on puck, defensive stick piss, positioning pressure it's, it's literally like the s- simplest but hardest thing to, to get used to but once you start doing it you literally change the game you create so much more offense from the defensive zone with a good stick like i i was second in the nation in shorties one year in college literally stick pressure mike hastings only reason only yeah. reason like so many times just having it in the right knowing like you said knowing where to have your stick like yeah. thinking about that stuff before coaches listening please pay attention to this stuff it's massively <laughs> important yeah and and Blake I, I want to go to Mike Eves here too because um like in the book it's really cool and and for me coming from a perspective of having been a college coach one of the coolest things as a college coach is having a kid come in as a freshman and then watching the kid leave four years later and, and just seeing the progression of that kid. Like I literally had kids that they come in as freshmen, they're shy, they're introverted. They can't look you in the eye. Like when they say hello. And then by the time they leave, they're these confident, like, you know, just, and, and so your transformation and particularly even with your relationship with coach Eves, you know, towards the end of, of your time there, like I remember reading in the book, the one time where you, you had lunch with them or breakfast with them or something like that. And you challenged him on something and he got really pissed off, but then he comes up to you the next day and he was like, well, you were right. Okay. Like yep. we can do, mm-hmm. and I forget what the premise was, but like talk a little bit about just like your almost like not, not hockey maturation but like your maturation just as an individual and and your confidence level um just kind of like as a person from your freshman year to to your hobie year and how you know your relationship with coach eves even though it wasn't and and it shouldn't be like you shouldn't have a great relationship all the time with your coach for four years because they're pushing you and you're pushing back and you don't like what they're doing like that's that's a part of the maturation process but like just talk a little bit about that experience with him and and how it helped to shape you as a person and make you a little bit more confident yeah no totally i mean look i I think uh look i was the that exact you know freshman year i was i came in nervous didn't know what to expect i mean look again i think um what happened in college my freshman year to where i uh, you know i grew up meaning look you get into college you you learn about alcohol and bars and girls and in school and all of these things that you've never really experienced before i mean i was a hockey player dude and it's all i did 24 7 365 like so again, you go from like an 18 year old kid on a, on a team with a bunch of older guys from junior and whatnot. Again, it was like another evolution of learning. So like, I, I never really experienced any of this growing up. And especially under Heinz's watch, I mean, me and Keener one time got caught getting an ice cream cone at McDonald's, got bags here the next day. That's a true story too. Um, and you know, like, I mean, he was that strict, like on our nutrition, uh, which by the way, I followed up with, this is probably what did me in on that story quick was, well, if you knew we were at McDonald's, does that mean you were in the line too? And what were you getting? <laughs> right? So that, that probably didn't help my case because he's like, so get, get on the line, right? Um, but like, you know, I learned all these things. And, and so, you know, from, from, you know, the guy who really helped me, and it goes back to what I, you know, talked about early on, which is like the camaraderie and the, the mentorship and the brotherhood that hockey has. The guy that I was really close to was Adam Burrish. 
and he won a national championship there. It was a four-year captain or a two-year captain. Um, you know, him and his sister grew up in Madison. They both won national championships on the women's team and the men's team the same year, both captains of the team. He had a really good relationship with Coach Eves. He had previously played for Marco Siki, who was one of our assistant coaches. So he knew those guys on an intimate, intimate basis. So I would always like call him like, hey, dude, like Ever did this, Ever did that. Like, how should I handle this? Like, this is really insane what he's doing. And he'd be like, dude, you got to stand up with the guy. Like, reach down, grab your kahunes, march in that office and tell him how you feel. He's like, this is your team, not Ever's team. He's like, and that's the mantra that you have to have with Ever or it's, you're, it's gonna, the team's going to slip away. He's like, you know your guys better than Ever. He's like, you have the pulse on the team. You know what the team needs. He's like, tell him how you feel. And the, the basis of this story was, you know, Ever was a very, very intense guy and would get right in your face. I mean, you turn the puck over, you know, or made a mistake. I mean, he was a guy that was ultra competitor. He, he would, I mean, you know, times have changed, right? But I mean, you would come back to the bench, he would grab you by the face mask or grab you by the jersey. I mean, and he would get in your face. And a lot of guys would shy away from that and they would hold their sticks and they'd be terrified to make a mistake. And you could see it in their play, right? And so after a weekend, there was a couple of guys that like were having a tough time. And like, you know, I was a junior at the time and, um, they were just having a tough time, like playing, like not themselves. You could see it. And so I, I, we did a Monday morning lunch every, every Monday to check in. How are the guys feeling? What'd you guys do this weekend? You know, do we need to back skate type of thing? Right. Like what, you know, what do we do? Well, what do we do poorly? Any suggestions, the whole thing. And so Ben street, who was a, a, a captain with me before he got there for lunch. I was like, Hey, I'm going to go to even tell him like, he needs to calm down. Like when guys make mistakes, let me and you handle it instead of him like yelling at guys because guys literally just grab their sticks and play even worse. And like, then we can't get, the, like, it takes a while for us to get the team back on the tracks. And he's like, even Streeter's like, Oh, totally agree, man. Yeah. Let's, like, I agree with you. I'm like, all right, great. Glad you got the support, dude. I'll never forget. I was shaking in my boots when he sat down. He's like, all right. So what do you guys got? And he's intimidating, man. I mean, oh, yeah. he's in better shape now than all of us put together. He, like, he, can, <laughs> he can still pull those uh, push-ups off. Yeah. Oh, Ever can rip out a hundred right now. Like, and be like, is that it? And you want to do more? How about a hundred air squats? I'll bang those out too. I mean, he's a specimen. Yeah, he rides a bike for an hour and a half every every day at 5.30. Call me, call my bluff, just call a cell phone and pick up. So um he he uh he goes, All right, so what do you guys got? And I'm like, well, either I'm gonna I'm gonna jump right in, man. I was like, hey, I was like, um, look, this is hard for me to say, but like, dude, you gotta like relax in the bench. Like he like really takes his tomato soup spoon and just drops it. He's like, What? <laughs> I'm like, dude, man, like you yell at our guys, like when they come back to the bench and they make a mistake. Like, and these guys grip their sticks even tighter. Like some guys can handle it, but a lot of guys can't. I was like, you need to back off those guys. Let me and Streeter handle that communication with them. And we'll get in their face. Like we'll take control of the team. He literally lost his marbles on me. Like, I mean, screaming at me. What do you know about coaching? I've been doing this, blah, 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 blah. Right. And just reams into me. The best part about the story though, is that he, he marched, Mr. Mr. Street, what do you think about this? And he's like, uh, uh. <laughs> I, I, I like I disagree with you, and I'm like, no, no. Oh. like you just literally sued me, like you just drove oh. over me, and in reverse, and went back over me again. And so, you know, he uh, he uh, either takes off, like just rips out of there, leaves me with the bill. Which, by the way, I think my dad gave me like eight bucks every month in the credit card to spend for food back then. <laughs> so I'm like, hey, dad, can uh, can you can you throw a couple bucks in the credit card? I gotta buy this lunch because. Coach E just took off and I don't have the money. He's like, yeah, yeah, no problem. He's like, why didn't he leave me with a bill? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, I'm like, long story. So then the next morning, Ever calls me at like literally 6 a.m. So of course I'm like, 
I'm like, I'm like, hey, coach, what's up? Like, I've been up for an hour, right? Like, not a chance. And and he's like, hey, can you come over to the office? I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm like, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, been up, you know, studying. He's like, oh, great, great. And I'm like snoozing, right? Like, so I rip over to the rink and he, and he walk. I walk into his office and he's like, hey, come on in. He's like, hey, uh, so look, I want to first apologize for what I did yesterday. I thought about a lot what you said, and you're right. You're right. These guys do grip their sticks. And, and Eber was big on, he always bounced everything off his wife, Bethy. He's like, you know, I was talking to Bethy. And, uh, you know, she, she kind of agreed with you as well. She sees it when they play. And he's like, I want to I wanna, I wanna take this on. So what, how should we go about this? And I was like, well, look, these five guys, like, they're mine. Like, let me handle them. I know how to, I know how to handle their personalities. I know what they need. I was like, just leave them alone. I got them. He's like, all right, dude, three of those five guys that year, one scored 15, the other scored 10. They both averaged like 12 minutes a night. And it was literally because when they came back, I'd be like, hey, they'd be like, I know, I know, my bad. I got us. I got us. No, my bad. And then like they'd go out and block a big shot or make a big hit or make a very defensive play and then come back, boys, sorry, boys, I got us there though. You know, and like, so we created this like, this like mantra and this culture of like, you know, we'd all pick, we'd pick each other up, you know, or like if someone turned one over, you know, the next guy, I'd be like, don't worry, I got you right here. And then we go out and like run somebody over, you know, we just created this culture where like Eber didn't have to say anything really. Like I was running the bench, you know, even to the point where I think this is in the book, Sam, like, Hey, I would drop the gloves in practice. I had three fights during my career and it wasn't as a result of like, I was trying to be a bully. It was a result of like, I took on that, I demanded that you brought it every single day and every single night. And if you didn't, I was the first one in your face being like, Hey, pick it up. And people didn't like that. And it usually turned sometimes ugly. Right. I didn't know. I always felt terrible about it, but it was, it was more, we had this culture at Wisconsin that like our mantra was, uh Oh, Wisco. That was our saying. And that meant, Oh man, Wisco's coming to town. Do not want to play these guys. Like they're going to run us through the gates. They got an intimidating crowd. And like, they're going to tuck four or five on us. And like, this is going to suck. And like, that was like the mantra that we created. And like, dude, I used to do this thing. Like, like if we need to pick me up, it's kind of illegal now, but <laughs> I would do a little button hook. And I purposely lose the opening face off. Let him go D to D. I do a button hook and I would just run the centerman because I go curl back to the far blue and then let him, you know, look at that. Over. And nine times out of 10, it'd be a great hit. Nowadays it'd be charging, right? <laughs> but like, it was just like that was how I'd pick us up and like be ready to rock and roll, like and set the, set the tone, you know. You guys, and, you guys think Mike Mike Radchuk uh, could talk? You should write a book about Blake Jeffrey on. All right, I've been <laughs> I've listened to the guy talk basically nonstop for about five years yeah. now. Oh, now we get, now we get, now we're out on podcasts and I'm learning new stories. Yeah. You know, all, all I did was call you at eight in the morning every Wednesday for years. That's right. You know what's really yeah. cool though, Blake yeah. is, you know, I am a like I love like learning about culture. Um, and, and one of the biggest consistencies that I see of all the teams that I've either played for or coached or worked with is how important the player leadership was. And like, it's everything, it's literally everything. And, and what I talk to coaches about all the time is like, you know, like, okay, players or, or sorry, coaches, like they always talk about player leadership and how important it is. Okay, but, but like, what are you doing to facilitate that, right? Like, are you having these weekly check-in 
that aren't like weekly check-ins just to check off a box. Like, Hey, I have a leadership group and I'm just going to ask them a question. Then that's just a check-in. No, but like, are you actually going to listen to what they have to say? Are you actually going to like develop guys to become leaders and, and, and like from their freshman year on, do you have like a program? If it's so goddamn important that we have player leadership, like we have to invest a lot of time and energy and maybe even money like to, to, to really help develop those kinds of traits because like, the best teams that I played for, the coaches didn't have to coach accountability a lot. It came from within. No, and totally. Talk about the fight, but like other people have other ways to do it. Like my captain, when I was a freshman, like he, you just knew like if things weren't going well, he was going to be there to put an arm around you. And that was like his way of leading. Was that you know, Matt Molson? Molson? Molson was different. Molson was like, he was pretty good at that, but Molson, like he was completely by example, man. Like Molson was a guy that like freaking – like he was the hardest worker all the time. And like, he always brought guys with, like I tell the story in, in all the team building stuff that I do. My, my first day on campus, most comes up to me. He's like, Hey, meet me at the football field at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, meet me at the football. So I met him at the football field at eight o'clock the next morning. And he put me through this like bagger of a workout. He's And it was kind of like, welcome. To, like, this is what it takes, man. Like, welcome yeah. to the team. And like, I prided myself on being a hard worker. I never worked that hard before. Like, no. and, and so that was the, like, he was just a really good guy to like, he wanted what was best for you. Like most wanted his cookies too. <laughs> I think all goals yeah, scored yeah, want yeah. Their cookies, but like, um, he was really good at just like leading by example, but like he never did stuff alone whenever he was working on his skating or whenever he was working on his shot, whatever it was like, he was always doing it with somebody. Oh, and I always respected that, the shit out of that with him. Mm-hmm. And, and I learned a lot from that too. And did, do you know most, did you ever cross paths with him at all? No, no, I, no, I, uh, I might've met him a couple of times in passing, but uh, dude, I, I think I told Sam this story. I'll, I'll never forget, dude. The hardest hit I've ever been given in my entire life was by Byron Bits <laughs> at the far blue line. I did like a, I, I like literally toe dragged somebody, brought it back in, and then I tried to toe drag another guy. Like, what are you doing? I played with the U18s at the time or U17s, and he hit me so hard on the toe drag. I did a full helicopter into the air, like parallel to the ground, and then went like and came down like that. And like, I like really went dragging off the ice and coach Hines comes up. He goes on my shoulder. He goes, probably wouldn't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget that. Like, and I was like, Oh yeah. But that was, yeah, but- was the year that we played. Molson was a captain. I think in like they had Byron bits and that uh, Sasha Pokalock and yeah, that was my freshman year. Oh, were you on that team? Okay. Yeah. I couldn't so yeah, I, I was going to tell, tell Sam, I know you got, uh, you got to go here in a second, but like, First thing is thank you for putting that triple overtime game in the book and, and like haunt my memories again. <laughs> I was playing in that game. I was a sophomore in that game. And yep. uh, like, I think whoever won that game was going to win the national championship. Honestly, yeah. like, yeah. I mean, that was, you talk about a zero or a one, nothing triple overtime game. Like it wasn't a boring one, nothing triple overtime game. Like it was insane. Yeah. Um, but Sam, before, like, before, I know you got to go ahead. I want to say one thing just all the listeners out there and, and ask you guys a question, but, or, or kind of make a statement slash question. But like, you know, when we wrote, when we, I should say, when Sam wrote this book, the one thing that I wanted to say to him and I was very adamant about was that I didn't want this to just be another biography that was like over and over of, Oh, Blake's the greatest player said Topher Scott, or, you know, like we wanted to make it unique and cool and re- like authentic and the whole thing. So if anyone out there goes and buys the book and gives it a read, and, I, and Topher, I'd love for you to comment on this, but like the writing is really well done. It's very like intuitive. 
It's very, um, it's fun to read. Like it was my own story. And I, like, I'm not a reader. My motto is like, why read a book when there's a movie? Um, and, and I read this book, like within an hour and a half, like literally, uh, like and it was a page turn. It was my own story. And it's the way that Sam writes that I think is just so entertaining. There's a lot of fun facts. There's a lot of great stories. And I said, to, I said to Sam, like, look, I don't want to see or hear one said this person or whatever. Like, you know, Sam talked to a lot of, you know, talked to Kaner for hours, talked to John Hines, talked to Mike Eves, talked to all these superstar guys. And like their names aren't even mentioned because I didn't want that. It wasn't about me or about that. It was about the history of hockey, a cool story mixed intertwined with my family, how the game started, how it evolved to Tennessee and the expansion and, and whatnot. So it's not just another atypical biography for everyone out there. It's really a truly well-written, cool, unique uh, style of writing that intertwines a lot of storylines and then kind of brings it all together at the end. And it talks about adversary and life lessons and in, in, in all of the, all everything in between. So um, I don't know what you think, Topher, but that was kind of just my yeah. No, I'll I'll let Sam go because I or I'll let Sam talk really quick. I just have one last question because I know he needs to go here. But like you know, as you're writing this book, the book is published. It's out there for everybody to see. You know what what do you want the readers to get out of the book? I think Blake just did a really good job of of probably putting that into words right there. But like having been the person who has done the interviews and and wrote the book you know, what, what is it that you want readers to take out of Blake's story? Yeah, I think for me, it's two things. One, you, if you think you have expectations placed on you, uh, you need to put that in the perspective of others. And literally I got the book I wrote about Blake I'm going the wrong way, the book I wrote about Blake. And then there are books, the other about his grandfather and his great grandfather, right? That, that's all on my shelves. Like the guy played, on the ice in Montreal under the numbers of his grandfather and his great grandfather, both of whom are in the hockey hall of fame, one of whom invented the slap shot. Uh, and the other one, uh, the NHL all-star game was created as a benefit for his family after he died, uh, getting hurt on the ice. So uh, whatever you're caring, just know that someone else is, is truly caring more, uh, especially in that weight of expectations. So, I mean, that's it for me. And then the other one that I would say, and this has really come out after the book and in talking to buddies of mine who, you know, were, were watching these games and, and excited about Wisconsin hockey and excited about Montreal hockey and these different phases of Blake's career is that you don't realize it when you're in it, but we're all living history. And um, it's hard to tell in the moment. And then eventually you get back, get to look back on it and, and literally the pages of Blake's life are in a book, but they're also my life. I mean, I was at those games and, um, you know, I, I had a relationship with Coach Eves and, and uh, you know, guys who are named in the book and understood and got to, to feel and live campus culture and then and as, as a fan observer and then eventually as a researcher. Um, and so I just – it goes by so quickly in the moment, but you, you truly – we all get to live our own history. Uh, and I think that that's a really incredible thing that, that uh, having written this and having had the support of, of the entire Jeffrey on family has been a really incredible part for me. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, appreciate your writing the book. It was awesome. Yeah. Like I said, same with you, Blake, one sitting <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I got through it. Um, and Sam, if you need to go. <clears throat> yeah, I'll hop. I'll let you guys keep talking. And uh, thanks again for having me. You bet, buddy. Thank thanks you. for being here. Uh, and, and for me, like when it comes to the book, man, like it's just like, as I was 
kind of trying to like form my words about what I thought about it. Like at the end of the day, the one word that came up was real. It was just real. It yeah. was real. Like you can really put yourself into these situations and, and maybe like having played college hockey and, and, you know, having been in semi, you know, kind of experiences like you've been in, um, you can feel it maybe a little bit more. Um, but I think for anybody that reads the book, it's a real book. It's yeah. a real book with real awesome stories, um, funny stories, emotional stories, happy stories, sad stories, stories of shit that you've probably been through that Blake went through at some point in, in his career that can teach you a lesson or two. And, um, yeah, like I, I think the biggest thing for me, it was just, it was really real. It was really real. And, and I think that's probably the best compliment I could, for me anyway, that I can give is it just, it makes you feel, it makes you think. Um, it makes you laugh. <laughs> and, and if you can do all three of those things while you're reading a book or watching a movie in your case, uh, <laughs> yeah. that that's uh, that's a recipe for a good day, you know, no, and, totally. And totally. I would, uh, I would recommend this book, um, to, to anybody that's a hockey fan. That's anybody that's, and, and especially like, like you said, like there's so much like the, your family history, we didn't even get into that, but like yeah. family history. And then you, you living up to that and, and playing it for the Canadians at like, Man, that's like amazing. So um, I just appreciate it. And Butcher Grass, Butcher Grass writes the forward for it, which I think is pretty cool. We've had yeah. it on the podcast too. Um, but at the end of the day, man, like I think I guess my last question for you is like having gone back, it's always really cool. Like, and I even do this now with my own kids. And I don't know how Blake, how old are your daughters? Uh seven and four. Seven and four. So we're kind of similar. We're six, four, and two. But like just kind of like reliving a little bit of the past and, and looking at old pictures and looking at old videos and like just remembering some of the cool memories and then having it like documented in such a cool way in a book. Um, what was that like for you when you read that book, just kind of going back and, and remembering some of those stories and, and, and things like that, that must've been unbelievable. It's not, and not even just for you, but for, for like your family. As oh, well. totally. I mean, look, the, the, like, you know, uh, the number one reason why I did this was so that I could remember some of this stuff. Cause like, if I'm being honest, man, like I read this and I was like, why did I never do that? And I would call buddies and I'm like, Hey, who, when did I do that? Is that actually real? Like, and the whole group was like, dude, are you kidding me? Like, are you nuts? Like, yeah. And like everyone, I'm like, I, wow, I totally forgot about that. And I was like, I really am crazy. Aren't I? And, uh, so it's just really great to have all those stories in one place. And then like to reconnect with, with all, all my old teammates, coaches, buddies, friends, family, the whole thing was, was, was awesome. But, you know, to, you know, it's funny, like I took my daughters this year to a, to a Wisconsin hockey game and, you know, it's funny, like what, what they, they come back saying, so they, they tell all their friends that I'm famous, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, no, dad's not famous. They're like, yeah, dad, you're kind of like Taylor Swift. I'm like, I'm not like Taylor Swift at all, but okay. <laughs> right? And, and it's, 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 it's kind of funny, but to have all of that and to read, read it all. And like, look, man, I, I'm a guy that like, I kind of, I kind of live like forward. I don't ever really look back and I don't reflect. And it's, 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 it's not a good thing, frankly. And so for me to, like, I'll give you an example. Like I had a friend of mine, Chris Fragner played in Michigan. My bill. Yeah. Friend. I was in Michigan last year. And so I got to meet him. You know, Frank's yeah, a great so, like, guy. He yeah. called me over the week. I was like, Hey, can you uh, come talk to my team? And can you bring your Hobie Baker? I'm like, oh, yeah, my gosh, sure. So like, I go hobble down to the, the the basement, open up a closet, like it's buried in the thing. I like grab this thing, and I'm like, all right, yeah, let's do it. You know, and like, <laughs> I, I look, I'm really proud of myself, and it's cool, and, and I'm not just like just like it's just kind of who I am. I just kind of live forward. I don't really reflect. So to have a place to be able to have a good reflection and like sit back and like when I really look back, I'm like, man, 
like if I go tomorrow, man, I've, I've lived a hell of a life. Like the things that I've gotten to like experience and do and all that, like this has been pretty awesome, you know, and, and to, you know, I got a lot of people to thank. Um, I would, I would not be where I am with, without a boatload of people. And it's just, you know, it, it allowed, like I reached out to a lot of people like, Hey, like I just wrote this book and like, I just never really said thank you. I just want to say thank you. And, you know, just, just things like that. It was like really cool to kind of have. And like, at some point I'll, I'll throw it to my daughters and be like, Hey, here's who dad was, you know? Um, and this is who I was a hockey player. And um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm really proud of it. And it, like, I really truly did love it. I love the book. I really did. So. Yeah. Awesome. I was wondering, I, I got some texts here while we've been on the show and oh. uh, I didn't know if these are, <laughs> oh. I don't know if these are in the book or not, but uh, I was supposed to ask you if one time at, while you were playing at, at Wisco, if you were late for a midterm and why do you remember late for a midterm and why? Yeah. Yeah. 7. AM moped in the tree. yes yes one of uh my my a handful of my lovely teammates decided to put my uh my scooter in a tree literally and i had to i was late for an exam and i was furious uh literally literally in this tree i don't know how they got it up there uh so that either had to be mike davies or any bomb back that texted you that so uh, and then the the other one i hope he's not he told me i should i should ask this one um the Hobie Baker. How, how did you find out you won the Hobie? <laughs> well, uh, that's kind of a loaded, a little bit of a loaded question. Um, so when I was uh, two ways, actually three. So I find out um, that I, the morning of that I won the Hobie Baker through uh, my roommate, Mike Davies, because he's like, Hey, dude, there's an article just public by Posick, who was our beat writer at the time that you won the Hobie Baker. Look, it's right here on this website. And then we went to it, it was there. And then like we refreshed it, it was not there anymore. And then, so like, I'm all worked up, like, well, did I win it? Did I not? Blah, blah, blah. And Mike's like, oh no, no, they probably wrote like two different versions. Like one, if you win, one, if you don't. So then I'm walking down the path from, uh, from like where you come out to the ceremony with Mike Eves. And he's like, hey, he's like, I don't want to like burst your bubble, but like, you didn't win the Hobie Baker. He's like, they wrote two different versions of the story. So like, I don't think you want it. So I just wanted to give that heads up type, type thing. And then, then that, so that was the second one. So then I just get like crushed. Right. And then, and then the third one was when they actually announced it. Okay. And uh, I'll tell you a little side funny story. So they announced that I win and I, I could, I couldn't believe it. I mean, between me and you, like, I literally thought I couldn't believe it. I really didn't. I thought Gustav Nyquist for sure had in the bag, like 100%, like 100%. And the funny story was I give my, my family a hug and then I give coach Eves a hug. And then I give Barry Alvarez a hug. Who's the, you know, 80 at the time and the football coach. And when I give him a hug, he's like, congratulations, Jeff. No, <laughs> like, like, like you didn't even know my name. Right now. Now, I, now I'm, 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 I'm close. And like coach didn't care about hockey. Right. Like Barry Alvarez didn't give a shit about hockey. And like, I know coach really well. And so, like, I, I, like, bust his chops all the time. I was like, you didn't even know my name. He's like, no, 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 like, Blake Jeffrey. I'm like, Jeff, like, your nickname. And I'm like, oh, yeah, good re- Look at the old backpedal. Good recovery there, coach. Good recovery. But so it's three different versions of, like, dude, I went from, like, like the, the emotions were like this, right? Uh, on, That's on the wild. That's so we went through that a little bit last year with uh, with Fantilli because I was in Michigan and Adam won the award. And uh, there were, like, some people that were, like, trying to, like, 
roast his character because he got a fighting major in one of our games, which wasn't even a fight. I don't even know why he got a fighting major, but they were like, the Hobie Baker should be, you know, it's it's about character and it's about class and this and that. Oh. And and like Adam's leading score in the country as an 18-year-old. And we're like, guys, like, come yeah. on. Like no, that, kid's a that kid's a that kid's a great player. He is, and he's a great kid too. So yeah, uh well. Well, hey, man, we appreciate your time here tonight. If if you got a couple more minutes, we'd love to do this quick little 10 yeah, questions sure. with you. Uh, but awesome story for, for everybody that's listening. Go get it. It's called Legacy on Ice. Uh, Blake Jeffrey on and the fastest game on earth. And Sam Jeffries is the author that wrote the book. Uh, but it's 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 awesome. It's a, it's a really, I don't want to say a quick read because I don't think that does it, does it justice. It's an awesome read. And, and I did it in one sitting and, um, a lot of awesome stories, uh, a lot of life lessons and things that you can use in your own life here too. So Dang, killed that. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah appreciate that. Yeah, no, 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 no.